Leviticus 23:27 it says also on the tenth day of this seventh month there shall be a day of atonement it shall be a holy convocation unto you and ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord and ye shall do no work in that same day for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God for whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that doth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. He shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all of your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest. And ye shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month. At even, from even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. And you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, and a meat offering, a sacrifice, and drink offerings, everything upon this day. Father, I pray that you'll direct today, give me something for your people. Lord, speak to each one of us, Lord. Speak to me and speak to them. Lord, teach us what you would have us to know. And Lord, challenge us to serve you better. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been going through these feasts. We started with Passover and then unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. And, and, and we've gone through the series. And those were all, as I've said before, these were all fulfilled in the past. There's a spiritual application to all of the feasts. There is a physical application, meaning that they represent something that physically took place in Israel. Passover was, as you know, when Israel was bound in Egypt, they were in bondage, and God sent a deliverer to take them out of bondage. God sent the plagues, and, and, and Egypt was was put under a plague until Israel was released. Uh, and that is representative of Passover, that time of sacrifice when God provided the spotless lamb. It was represented in, in a futuristic prophetic sense with Jesus Christ being that spotless lamb. Unleavened bread being a, a call of holiness, calling the children of Israel to holiness, uh, which was fulfilled in this righteous uh, life of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, 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 the feast of, of uh, uh, right on down to the feast of Pentecost, which was the time that God poured his spirit out upon the Gentiles. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the, the word of God, or the salvation of God, quit being just for the Jews, but it spread to the world, to us, thank God. And we as Gentiles are saved too. And we were brought in, we were grafted in, the word of God says, into the vine. Thank God that we are grafted in. We can call him Abba Father. He is our God, as well as the God of the Jews. And we just keep going through the feast, and now we're looking at the Feast of Atonement. Now, we, we talked last week about that Feast of Trumpets. 
Well, praise God for the trumpet. And this was a futuristic. This is the first one that's a futuristic uh, representation in that we haven't heard the trumpet yet. But we are waiting for the trumpet. At least I hope you're waiting for the trumpet. <laughs> waiting for the day that the trumpet sounds and calls his children home and bam, we're out of here. We're looking for that day. It gives us blessed hope. That's what gives us joy no matter what our situation is. There is always hope when you know the trumpet's going to sound and God is going to call you to your eternal home. And so this was the first futuristic uh, prophetic fulfillment will be the, the Feast of Trumpets. But then there's the Feast of Atonement, which is a time that can be good or could be bad. Anybody ever have one of those moms that said, wait till your daddy gets home? <laughs> you ever have one of those? You know, some moms just beat you themselves. <laughs> some of them said, wait till your daddy gets home. And you know, if you've been good that day, you didn't really have anything to worry about. You know, dad was coming home, this is great, man, celebration, dad's here. If you've been bad that day, it was like, let me go do something else. <laughs> about five o'clock when dad gets here, I want to go find something else to do. We have to realize that that there is a day of atonement. What does atonement mean? It means paying for what you did, basically, is what it is. It's a payment time. And God is calling Israel to understand that there will be a day of judgment, a day of atonement, a day when you have to stand before Almighty God. The Word of God tells us that every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us. You won't forget anything that you've done. It'll all be there. It'll all be laid out. I remember one time I was about eight years old, and my friend and I were wrestling in the backyard. Billy Collishaw, I remember him. We're wrestling in the backyard, just having a good time. And, and our neighbor, Glenda, was babysitting us. My stepmom was gone, my dad was at work. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Glenda snatches me up, shakes me around real good, throws me in the house, get to your room. I was like, what did I do? She said, you know what you did. I said, no, I really don't. Get to your room. So I was in my room. Stepmom comes home, comes in, hits that belt, and it was, it was on. Hold me up. I was like, what did I do? She said, you know what you did. I said, I know what I did. I'm sitting there in the window, looking out the window. Dad pulls in the driveway. He gets out of the car. He said, oh, you're in the bedroom. You must have done something. I said, yeah. He said, what'd you do? I said, I don't know. He said, you know what you did. <laughs> it's been 43 years, folks, and I still don't know what I did. I have no idea. I still ask my stepmom about that. Why did you beat me that day? I don't remember. It was a long time ago. There was a lot of times I didn't beat you. I, I can't remember. But you know what? On this day when we stand before God, we will remember every single thing that we do. It'll all be laid forth. It'll all be spread out. The Day of Atonement is Yom Kippur. It is a Day of Atonement where Israel will stand there. And with the high priest, during this time of, uh, of, of the Feast of Atonement, the high priest selected two young male goats that were as much alike as possible. And, and he kind of uh, almost drew lots in a sense. And it didn't, there was no, no pre-guessing where the lot fell. And the lot fell on one goat or the other. And one became the Lord's goat. And the other became the scapegoat. And then that high priest for the one time a year went into the, into the uh, Holy of Holies. And he made sacrifice for the sins of the people. And he, and he sacrificed that Lord's goat. 
And then he came out with the blood still on his hands and he wiped that blood onto the, onto the scapegoat. Sounds nasty, doesn't it, by our modern standards. But that scapegoat became the one that, that in a sense was representation of what? Jesus Christ. Because he became that scapegoat. He's the one that took the sin of the world upon him. And he took our sin upon him. And so this was a time where, where Israel's sins were atoned. It was gone. They were done. They were thrown away. God took those sins and threw them in the sea of forgetfulness. Now see, when we go into the, into the millennial reign, you, you know, we're going. That, that, we're going to the promised land, right? We're, it sounds like a fairy tale. Thank God for God's fairy tale. If that's what it is. We're going to the promised land. When we go in there, every day we live, we have to realize that we are atoned by the blood of Jesus Christ. We, it'll be a time of realizing that millennia upon millennia upon millennia, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Even We could not experience that joy if Jesus Christ had not died on a cross however many years, whether it be millions of years at that point or billions of years at that point, we're still enjoying the peace of God, the joy of God, the rest of God because of what Jesus Christ did. That is part of that atonement. He took care of it on that cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. It says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade man, that we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. The Bible tells us every one of us will stand before that judgment seat. And what are we being judged on? Well, not heaven and hell, we're already saved. That's a different. That's the great white throne of judgment. That's where the lost have to go. And you know, thank God for the <laughs> thank God for the judgment seat of Christ. I don't want to have to stand before Almighty God, having rejected Him my whole life, scoffed and sneered and mocked and, and, and rejected over and over and over. These atheists who make it their life's ambition to run around and, 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 and proclaim that there is no God, that the God's a fraud, that it's not real. That day they will stand before Almighty God. And Philippians chapter 2 says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes. There is not one who won't do it. Every single one will do it. It doesn't matter if you're Bill Gates and you have all the money in the world. It's not going to mean a thing to you when you stand before the Almighty God. It doesn't matter if you're Richard Dawkins and you run around every college campus in the United States and proclaim atheism. On that day, you're going to stand before the living, true, and almighty God. And Richard Dawkins' knees will bow before the Lord God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everyone... The difference is we will go there looking forward to bowing before our God. Yeah. We will be anticipating the day that we bow before our God. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to bow before my God. I can't wait till He calls us home so that I can bow before my King and say praise and glory and honor to your name. Yeah. But He says that He's going to judge us based on our works. 
Now, we don't like to talk about works in Christianity. It scares us. And I've been through that with you before. It scares us. We don't like to talk about works. But here's the fact of the matter. We're going to be judged on our works. We're already saved. We're blood-bought. We're going to heaven. But we're going to make an account for our works. See, this is going to be a problem. I don't know how this crown is going to work. I really don't. I'm not sure how this crown is. You know, we go up there. We do a lot of good things. We get this huge crown. It gets real heavy. That thing oh. Some, now me, I'll probably have a little tiny one about that big. Walking <laughs> around there, I don't know if there are benefits or, or 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 special privileges that go with the crown. I don't know the jewels in the crown. I should say I I don't know. I suppose there is. See, the hard thing is, is when you when you're looking at that day when God is judging us on our works, and then we realize why didn't I do what God told me to do. Amen. Why didn't I do more? Back to being a kid. Anybody remember being a kid? It was way back there for some of us. Remember those days when you did something stupid so you didn't get to have the ice cream when all your brothers and sisters did? <laughs> you didn't get to go to the park when your brothers and sisters did? Or you can go down the list and how it felt? Can you imagine that day when we go before Almighty God and He says, let's lay out all your works today. Let's look at the times that you could have, but you didn't. Amen. The Bible tells us, He that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Yes. It is sin. God is going to judge us on our works. He tells us that every book will be opened. And that judgment will take place. And it's a day of atoning. It's a day when we stand before Him and say, God, I am here, it's all here. And he goes through and he says, let's look at every word you've ever spoken. I don't know about you, but I don't want to remember every word I've ever spoken. <laughs> I don't really want that one. We can go away with that one. I don't really want to think about everything I've ever done. But God is going to look at it, and you know what's amazing about it? It's the blood of Jesus Christ covers it all. Yes. We're still saved. Amen. We're still blood-bought. We're still his kid. You know, when we when we raise our children, some of them sometimes they do what we don't want them to do. Sometimes they reject, especially when they hit 16 and there's absolutely nothing on earth they don't know. <laughs> nothing. If you need to know how to do anything, you ask a 16-year-old. They can tell you. Yes. And you try to tell them to do the right thing and they don't do the right thing, but they don't quit being our kid. Because they fail, because they fall short, because they do something they shouldn't do. I suspect that even the most vile of our society, that their mama still loves them. Yeah. Daddy maybe not so much. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you did, your parents still love you. Jesus Christ loves us no matter what we did. And when he bought us, he paid for us. See, here's the thing. He expects us to understand that we are, as it said in that scripture, dead. We're dead. Done. Gone. Dead. We read it in Colossians. We are dead. That old man is gone. Our will, our desires, what we wanted to do are gone. We belong to him. The problem is we like to resurrect that old guy. We like to resurrect him. We like to bring him up. God says, let that guy die. I killed him. I created a new one. All of them in Christ are a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. 
That's all right. things become new. So that day of atonement is that time when we stand before Him and God judges our works, whether they be good or bad. Is it worth doing the good? Absolutely. So what is the good? What is the good? Well, the Word of God tells us over and over and over and over we are to strive for holiness. Strive for righteous living. Strive to live right. But He also tells us that when we feed the hungry, when we minister to the, the widow, when we minister to the orphan, when we provide these things, when we help these, He says, you're not doing it to them, you're doing it to me. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but if my kid is in a real bad situation, and I'm not around to be able to do something for them, and somebody else meets their need, to me, that person did it for me. They took yeah. care of my kid. You know, my kids broke down along the road and I have no way of getting to them and somebody comes and picks them up and gives them a ride, that's as good as doing it for me. I owe that person. To me, I owe them. Thank God for them. God says, when you will minister to somebody in need, He said, you're doing it for me. Yes. God, I believe, provides situations for us to minister, to do the right thing. Amen. I read a little testimony this week from the Busbys, actually. And this is how God does things. It just blessed my heart. And I'm going to tell it, even though they, they probably won't do Because I mean that way. <laughs> they were driving to Montana. They were in their truck. You know, the big diesel they have, their white one. And they, I, I don't know who all was in the truck, because obviously you can't get 12 kids in there. But they were heading to, uh, <laughs> to Montana. And the truck started making noise. And... They were about to leave uh, civilization, you know, get out their way. So they stopped and they called their son Josh in uh, North Dakota. He's a diesel mechanic. And they asked him about the noise. And he said, get to the shop right now. Get straight to the Ford dealership before you drive into Montana. So they took him into the Ford dealership. And he said a guy, a, a young man named Josh came out and talked to him about it. And, uh, and the girls, uh, Rochelle had made a Valentine card. This was on Valentine's Day. She had made one. And she was passing them out to people as she would make them throughout the day. And when they got to the shop and this guy named Josh came out and looked at the truck, she handed him one. And they said, the look on his face just dropped him. You know, Katie said, did you see the way he looked? So the guy worked on the car or the truck for a while. And then he came out a little while later and he went up to stand and he said, I just wanted to tell you that the customer that I had before you was so nasty. He was so terrible that honestly I had given up on everything. I was about to end it. I was about done. I was I was finished. But then your daughter gave me that card. Amen. You think it's the silliest things that you do when you say something sweet to somebody, when you when you give somebody a little bit of compassion, when you give them a little bit of love, when you go into that grocery store and that, and you think that clerk is being a little snippy today, and I'll just throw it right back at him. Teach them a thing or two. <laughs> Ever have this in there? But you you put that aside and you say, Yeah, good to see you today. You know, she looks so good today. You did you you know, I, you you've helped me out so much today. I I appreciate you so much. What you do, you know, and we're so tempted to throw it back at them. But God can use the simplest act of kindness to reach into the heart of a person. And Jesus said, when you do that, you're doing it to me. You're doing it to me. 
Personally, I hate customer service. Been there, done that. I hate it. I'm just like, what you say to me? No, I'm not good at it. Being a cop's way more fun because when they do that, they can beat their head on the car. No, We have to realize every action that we take has an eternal consequence. That day of atonement, that day when we will stand before God and He will open the books and He will say, you were in Porter's when the clerk was having a bad day and you threw it right back in their face. Why didn't you give them my love? Why didn't you give them a touch? And you were in McDonald's and the person had their hat cocked all over the way they do and the pants half down to your knees and you looked at them and you Instead of saying, Jesus Christ loves you. Thank God for what you did. Thank you for serving me today. Those little things are doing it straight to God. Things that goes on, the Feast of Tabernacles. You know what that represents? That it was the end of the season. We had the Feast of Passover that was in the spring, and it moved up, uh, and, and several of them were, the first three were right there in the, in the row, and then there was a 50-day span until you had the Feast of Pentecost. And then you had about a three-month span until we got into the latter feasts, as they call them, or the late feasts. Well, Feast of Tabernacles was the very last feast of the season. Now you know, especially in these rural areas, how it works. Spring comes, you work like a rabid dog for about three or four months, and then you hope your wood's all in, your cars are all fixed, and everything is ready because winter is coming. This represented the end of it. This represented the finality to Israel. It was a time when, when God called them together to remember that I just provided the wheat that is in your barns. I just provided the food that is in your shelf. I just provided the roof over your head for the for the season. And now it's a time when you're not going to have all that to do anymore. Winter is here in a sense. The season is over. It was the final feast of the season to glorify God and say thank you Lord for all that you did for me to prepare for this time, this, this season of rest in a sense. It is represented also obvious to us that this day is coming. We're in this this time, this, this, this time where we're waiting for the, the trumpet to blow. We're out there in that wilderness. We're waiting for the trumpet. And then there's going to be that, that day of atonement. But then there's going to be the, the, the feast of, uh, of finality in a sense. The Feast of Tabernacles, where we go into the into the, the promised land, into the glory land, and all that work is done. There's no more work, there's no more fields to harvest. There's no more working for, for the kingdom of God in that sense and, and, and going into the uh, seeking the harvest. There's no more trials, there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more anguish. We are just going to be able to, to uh, live free of pain. I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. There's pains that I didn't even know existed a few years ago. When I think of the way that I worked when I was 30 years old, it didn't take me a week to do what I did in a day then. This body is wearing down. It's, it's getting older and just deteriorating. What was that that Ellen said to me? And, uh, she said, ask me how I'm feeling. I said, how are you feeling? She said, I'm deteriorating at the right rate or something like that. For my age or something in that sense. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're deteriorating. 
deteriorating at the right rate, at the, at the, at the right, right level here. But the deterioration is going to stop in that feast of, of ta tabernacles when it's all done. And we're glorifying God for eternity upon eternity. And all the things that we, we look at it now, we realize how, how we see it and think it's so big, but we'll look at it then and say it was so insignificant what we were dealing with because now it's all done. The Bible says that God Himself will wipe the tears from your eyes. He's not going to send somebody else to do it. He will wipe the tears from your eyes and He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We know that story from Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents when He gave the five to one, He gave the two to another, He gave the one to another, and He sent them out and He said, do something with those talents. Now we often think of that as being talents. You know, the ability to play the violin, I don't know, a talent. That's not what it was. It was a monetary unit. And, and, and then we have some people that kind of twist it into being just a money thing. But it's not a money thing. God said He gave up, the Word says that God gave up His goods of Himself. And He said, here it is. I'm giving it to you. And the one with five went out and he invested it. He took what God gave him and he invested it and he made it bigger and he made it prosperous. And God said, well done my good and faithful servant. Then the one with two went and he invested what God gave him of himself. What is God? He is holy. He is love. He is compassion. He is all those things. But we also forget that God is our judge. And so when he invests himself in us, he said, go out there and do something with it because you will come back before me and give an account for what you did with what I gave you. No. So many today love to talk about God as love, and He is. God is compassionate, and He is. God is merciful. Yes, He is. But God is a judge. And God is a jealous God. And when your heart is chasing something other than Him, He is not pleased. That's right. When your heart is directed somewhere else, those times when the devil dangles a little carrot and you go chasing that carrot. God said, I see it. I'll judge it. Because He judges our works. I want us to realize that God has invested in us a portion of Himself. And He said, now take it and do something with it. Take this character of mine. That's what He's investing in. Character. His, you know, again, I refer to it parent-child relationship. When that baby is born, that baby is you in a lot of ways. You know? I, I look at my grandkids and I can see their mama in them. <laughs> All the good and bad. No. I can see their mama in them. And I saw in my, in my daughter and her stubbornness, I saw so much. No, I'm kidding. I saw so much of me in, in, in her. And I, and I look at them and realize they are a part of who we are. That's what God does. He invests that into us and He says, do something with it. Do something with it because you will give an account. Will you pray with me? Father, I want us to be ready for the day when we stand before you. It could be five minutes from now that our heart can stop beating. 
a heart attack or whatever, Lord. We can walk out of here and get hit by a bus. We don't know. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you will make sure to convict us right now. I want to be convicted, Lord. Convict me. Lord, I pray that you will look inside of me and tell me what I need to change. Tell me what I need to do to draw closer to you, Lord. Tell me what needs to be different in my life. Tell me how to better invest that talent, that those goods that you've invested in me, Lord. Show me how to use them. Father, that day is coming when we will stand before you. And Lord, I pray, God, that we can stand with anticipation looking forward to the day, knowing, God, that, that we've run the good race, as Paul said. We have kept the faith, as Paul said. Lord, we haven't turned to the right hand or to the left. Lord, that we have walked that straight and narrow path. So many things in Your Word give us indication of what You're expecting from us. Lord, help us to realize that every encounter that we have throughout the day is an opportunity to minister Jesus Christ to somebody, even if it's just saying, it's a beautiful day, enjoy it. Even if it's just giving a good word, even if it's giving a smile, Lord. We're given the gospel. Whatever it is, Lord, every encounter is an opportunity to share Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Help us to invest what you have given us. Hallelujah, hallelujah.